As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello, welcome back to Full Time with Meg Linehan. I'm Meg. You are listening to a show all about women's soccer on the Athletic Podcast Network. Both Steph Young and I traveled to U.S. Women's National Team games last week. We are both back from our individual stints in Ohio. So we're going to talk some national team talk. We're going to talk some NWSL. And, you know, we both watched Ted Lasso, so that's going to be in the mix as well. We can we can do a couple Ted Lasso reaction uh, mini sections in here. So just as a heads up early on, there will be spoilers for this week's Ted Lasso. We do mention those ahead of when we actually start talking about them though. Before we get to the rest of today's episode, as always, to show your support of full-time, plus get all of our women's soccer coverage and everything else The Athletic has to offer on our site and app, you can subscribe right now at theathletic.com slash full-time. There's always an offer there, and it's always one of our best deals. Right now, it still should be 50% off of your new annual subscription. Let's just get right to stuff. Here we go. Stuff. so we we both went to Ohio over the last week and a half or so, not at the same time, and to two different cities in Ohio. How was your Ohio experience? I have a lot of thoughts on the way Cleveland built out their downtown and lakefront area. Like if we want to talk <laughs> urban infrastructure, we can do that for this podcast. But other than that, it was it was a game. You know, they won nine nothing. Um and the actually my main takeaway from that was like after every time every time we have one of these games, there's a lot of hand wringing where people are like, What does it all mean? And like how do we take anything away from these nine oh eight oh blowouts and you know, it does a disservice to the women's game and these other teams come here and they're underfunded and et cetera, et cetera. And the underfunded part is legitimate. Like we should all definitely be keeping an eye on Paraguay and like their national team and understand that this was a lot of U20 kids because a lot of their starting players are in Europe and couldn't make it. But at the same time, in general, not every game has to have meaning. We just finished a tournament cycle. We're two years out from 2023. Um, they're contractually obligated to put on mm-hmm. these post-Olympic games. And it's fine to just kind of sometimes visit a market to let people there see the national team play. Not everybody has an NWSL team either. Um, just have a nice time, 
have a fun game, nobody gets injured, sell some tickets, make that money they're all fighting over right now. Yeah. 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 Have a good night. I mean, I I think I totally agree with you. I was in Cincinnati for the second game, which was a eight nothing result. And, you know, also a, another brand new stadium to walk around in. Obviously, it's the Rose Lavelle show in Cincinnati. And just being in that stadium, I do think, yeah, there is always kind of this weight of every, you know, every single result counts, every single game has to matter. These all and I What's funny is I think that there were still takeaways for the U.S. women's national team from these games because we got to see players play because even though these are contractually obligated, they are primarily designed to feature the Olympics rosters, we got very different midfields (laughs) in these two games, right? There were things to actually look at. And yes, the, the results are obviously very lopsided, but also watching... Mal Pugh, Katarina Macario, and Sophia Smith run at a back line for game in person. Hey, like, that's an enjoyable thing, but also it does have meaning for the U.S. women's national team as well. So they're like, yes, I understand the angst around it, but also in terms of, I think even what we were maybe expecting for these games, the team got more out of them than expectations probably would have otherwise said. Oh, absolutely. Especially that second game between Macario, Sullivan in there, that Sullivan, Rose, Mm -hmm. Macario midfield. Super interesting to me. And they all knew probably in that first half, like if we can't perform under these conditions, then it's going to be that much (laughs) harder to fight for these roster spots. So they did know that they had to execute. And but that's what happens with both of these teams. I think Paraguay had the same plan, right? Come in. Know that it's going to be a hard time, but focus on your own goals. Get these kids some experience, you know, at the yep. international level. So it's not like, yeah, Edo is demoralizing their poor goalkeeper during that period where, like, the goals were happening faster than we could register them for about, yes. you know, five, ten minutes. That first 15 minutes, yeah. Oh, yeah. boy. But yeah. at the same time, you know, they focused on, you know, positionality, holding shape, Um Maybe not as good as, you know, the one-on-one play, but it's valuable to learn from getting twisted by Rose Lavelle. So, yeah. 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 I mean, if if you if your ultimate goal is to go to the World Cup, right? Yeah. That is the ultimate goal for this team is to qualify and go to the World Cup. Like, yes, obviously it is a a, a bad result, but also that's going to be the level of competition that you will see in a World Cup. Actually, it's going to be even higher because it's going to be in a tournament setting. Like, right. this is just a nice kind of misty, rainy Tuesday night in Cincinnati. Like, there's there's definitely differences. But I do think that in terms of what we probably were thinking about these games going into them and then what we're actually looking at on the other side of them. But to your point, yeah, just being in, in the stadium again, you know, it's 22,500 people in that stadium no one in that stadium is mad that the score is getting run up. I'll put it that way. Like, they are losing their mind over Rose Lavelle and every single touch she makes. They're, the Cincinnati uh, Stadium as well has a thing where anytime anyone scores, the announcer says the first name and the crowd says the second, you know, their last name. So, like, everyone was fully participating in that as well. Like, 
there wasn't a lot of angst. It was a team that they haven't seen since I think 2017 was the last time they were in that market in a brand new stadium on a on a Tuesday night out. Like it just felt like this is a special event. Yeah. After the game, Allie Wagner was talking to Rose and she called her the queen of Cincinnati. Yeah. And it was true. Yeah. Yeah. It was actually very funny because we also had our first in-person press conference again for the first time in, you know, 18 months or whatever it is. And Rose is obviously the first player out and she opens the door and the first thing she does is like look at us in complete shock and she looks at Aaron Hyfe as the press officer and she's like no one told me there were people in here also just to like set the stage of this moment the press room has one entire glass wall so VIP tickets are able to sit in the room over I don't think that they can actually hear anything but at one point Rose Lavelle legitimately just turned to wave at the people in the next room and you could hear them losing their mind. Like Rose Lavelle was like the fifth member of the Beatles in Cincinnati on Tuesday night. And (laughs) it's not a bad thing, but it's just, it's just very, I think it puts things a little more in perspective of there are going to be other priorities beyond like perfect top level soccer at every single game, whether it's home or away, right? That there are financial priorities for this team. There's also just, it's a national team that needs to play across the nation. Right, bringing the product to different markets and venues. Yes. I saw a picture of um, the press box, and from the other side, I just imagine you guys look like a Disney animatronic ride, where you go through (laughs) and you can see kind of like the panorama of these people going through the motions and like a a meg robot like meg lenahan from the athletic (laughs) yeah it's just it's it reminded me a little bit of in the before times when u.s soccer would do stadium tours for people who do like the like all-inclusive game ticket and they take you through and it's some like you know random u.s soccer employee being like here's the locker room here's this and it's like it starts really early but they always take people through the press box and i'm like we are not interesting like generally at that point it's either us just like hanging out or looking stressed at our laptops or shoveling press box food into our mouth and i'm just like none of this should be appealing for people right i don't know if this needs to be a stop on the tour here are a bunch of like sweaty underpaid nerds (laughs) who are just here to descend on the free food table like a bunch of locusts clear it out, and then go back to their desks and just shovel into their mouths, hunched over their computers. Yeah, yeah. waiting for the roster to drop, yeah. usually is, is timing-wise when this is happening, yeah. So it, it, it did give me some some memories to those before times and being like, okay, hello, I don't, sure, you're here now, I guess. Um, but it was, it was very funny. And then Sophia Smith coming in since it was her first start and first goal for the national team and... What was funny is she was still getting questions about Rose Lavelle, and she was just like, it was very obvious in this camp that Rose is from Cincinnati. And we were just like, yep. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Makes sense. Checks out. So. But, you know, overall, I think in terms of where they're at, again, like, I think we got some new and interesting looks at the midfield, which we have not gotten in a pretty significant, like no, no Sam Mewis, no Lindsey Horan, no Julie Ertz. So that mm-hmm. opens up a lot 
of different options. Would I have loved to have seen Crystal Dunn in the midfield in one of these two games? Was that an opportunity that I thought maybe would happen? Yes. Also, was I just constantly stressed and waiting for a Becky Sauerbrunn goal those two games? Also, yes. Also, yes. You played it all out in your little mind, didn't you? You were like, oh, this is the first game I go to. You know, I'm traveling for this one. I'm here. Becky's going to score. And then we have in-person. We're doing hybrid. So I'll be able to ask her in person about this. I'll be able to, like, see her face. Yeah, yeah, I just was really hoping that it was very funny because I got a text from someone before the game when the roster dropped. And the person who texted me would be like, Vlaco is not considering you in not having Becky on the field. Like, this is your chance. This is your ideal chance to witness a Becky Sauerbrunn goal in person. I was just like, I know. Like, I need to have some words with him of, like, listen. Yeah. This is this is the game. This is the game. So the wait continues. It's fine. Would I enjoy to be in person when this, if this ever happens? Yes. Yeah. But... I loved a lot about this roster. I mean, the spine up the field between Campbell, Davidson, Sullivan, Lavelle, Macario, and then with Smith or Pugh either in that nine role, that is a very young, relatively, relatively yes. young spine. <laughs> For this team. Which gives you yeah. like, oh, okay, that's the future. That's yeah. pretty cool. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League 1? FX is Welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. Yeah. And I think, you know, we were really waiting on basically November to kind of see that that look. Mm-hmm. Right. And we've we've already started getting it. And also at the same time, you have Carly Lloyd scoring six goals across two games. So you can have you can have your cake and eat it, too. <laughs> this is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. I wonder if Carly is sick of being asked about why she's retiring at this point. She's got to be. I mean, she's she's been handling the questions you know, as they come, because obviously she's probably expecting, like, yeah, everybody's going to ask me about retiring. I did see some tweet where she's like, stop comparing me to Tom Brady. Like, I, I'm not Tom Brady. He Like, I'm Carly Lloyd. I have my own reasons. She wants to start a family with her husband. Stop making the comparison. I was <laughs> yeah. like, oh, Which, maybe she's sick. I'm sick of being asked about this. But. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, obviously we were both on that Zoom after the Cleveland game, and she was very thoughtful in a way that I think she is she is being forced into uh, being this thoughtful just because it is kind of the end, but also it's such a weird prolonged end. Like it's not even like a farewell game. Like it's turned into like a little bit of a farewell tour, and that's also extended into the fact that 
Gotham is going to play a game in Philadelphia, right? So she kind of has that game in this mix. And then obviously there's just kind of the tail end of the season for Gotham. But um, it was really interesting for her to be like, I've always tried to like basically ignore the crowd. And now I'm actually trying to pay attention to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's it's just, it's, it is a very interesting thing to to kind of watch because she, it's not that she hasn't been reflective but I think that she has been very selective in how she's been reflective in the past and now like you kind of are watching in real time someone say I've never really processed what I've done didn't she say literally like I've had to be ice cold Carly for 16 years and now I'm not and it's like it, it almost sounds like someone who for the very first time is allowing themselves to really feel their feelings at least around this yeah. particular thing. Like up until now, either she had to or she thought that she had to behave in this certain way in order to function at her peak. And now after a bunch of self-reflection and you know reuniting with her family and cutting out old ties, old influences, and the end of her career, it is stuff that makes you, man, I tell you, the older I get, <laughs> <laughs> the more this stuff really hits. It's just like the more I hit milestones in life where it's like, you know, good or bad, whether it's like getting married or a, a parent or close relative passing, these things just start hitting you like a ton of bricks because you're like, I'm not 19 years old anymore. Like yeah. you, you really keenly feel your mortality. <laughs> yeah. Just like you start having to like rock in your seat in order to stand up from sofas and (laughs) yeah like i i bent over the wrong way last night and all of a sudden my neck hurt really badly and i was like i did nothing i did nothing i just i just moved slightly yeah yeah after large meals if i sit down i go and i'm like "Mm, those are sounds my father used to make i don't like this and i'm approaching the age that my parents were when they had me and i'm so yeah, I, I I really feel like whenever Carly says this stuff, I'm like, I think it really is hitting her like a ton of bricks. Like, oh, it's over, or you yeah. know, life is changing. Right, right. And I think it it obviously it. I don't know. I I think I've been really fascinated by this concept of people who are at that highest level, right? In a way that I don't think anyone can truly comprehend unless you're at that level. And you can see this end date approaching you. I remember talking about this with with Kat Whitehill back when she retired, right? And that kind of mentality that you need in order to think, so much of my life has been dictated by the sport, by what the sport has asked of me, by what the sport has asked of my body, right? Like, it's not even just like, oh, okay, this, there's this mental thing, it's, Every day I take care of myself in a very specific way. And then all of a sudden that goes away. Right. I mean, and there's this like whole other world on the other side. There's, I think there's two things you see. One is afterwards, these athletes, they all, even though they're retired, they all keep up with some kind of like wild exercise routine because they need it. (laughs) Their bodies and their minds and even their like, I don't know, hormone levels or whatever, you know, the adrenaline or the serotonin that you get from, they, they need it. They can't. They have to. It's just part of their lifetime habit. Other thing is, I think there's a reason why a growing area in sports psychology is for post-career. It's for retirement, yeah. where they specifically address... There was an incredible article that Steph LeBay did for, I think, uh, Canada's Olympic site, where once again she talked about her mental health and how 
the time after you win is actually one of the worst times in the world for some athletes. It's like the your worst depressive F episode. You go into this trough because you've hit the high, and then after what? What? Yeah. You just go yeah. back to having to go to the grocery store and buy more toilet paper. And, you know, part of it is also, for LeBay in particular, she said, everyone's like, oh, I want to see the medal, I want to see the medal, and it starts making you think, like, am I, is that all I am to these people? I'm just a medal, I'm just a performance. And it's the same thing with a lot of athletes who retire. It's like, my entire value up until now has been derived from what I can do. And I don't do that anymore. So what yeah. value do I have now? Who am I as a person? Yeah. It's deep. It's deep shit. Yeah. Also, it just... Like, as someone who obviously thinks a lot about work-life balance and how bad I am at it, <laughs> like, I think it is kind of a very relatable thing. And obviously, it's two very different versions of it, right? But thinking about just, like, n never being off, <laughs> right? Like, trying to take vacation and in, in the back of your brain being like, Am I only am I only making things worse if I take vacation right now? Right. Like, mm -hmm. what am I going to come back to? And then coming back and having the entire, you know, world of women's soccer just be in a very, very bad way. Like there is kind of that. Again, like you are more than what you do. Right. But for so for so long and especially for athletes, like so much focus is really put on like, again, your your last big performance or a medal or yeah it is it's just a very interesting thing to to watch and to to try to ask questions but also like know that again like this is all kind of like big unknowable stuff yeah that's super scary so you've been able to control every detail of your life for so long like they they all talk about control the controllables, but they're also used to the uncontrollables. They know what uncontrollables they're going to face. That's a level of control in and of itself. Um, mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, you're just in a life where it's like I'm living day to day. I guess <laughs> I don't have to record a sleep journal. I don't have to, you know, carefully record my my stats, my biostats every single morning and send them into a trainer. I don't have to measure out my my food but in grams or macros or whatever. And uh Yeah. Yeah. Do you know where this stuff really hit me recently is watching Ted Lasso. <laughs> Cuz the last Okay, let's go. You want to go there? Yeah. Yeah, let's go here. Because the last episode spoilers ahead, but you know. Yeah, all right. Just just to interrupt, we have both watched the most recent episode from Friday, September 24th. If you have not watched this episode, maybe fast forward yeah. a bit. And this episode deals with uh, grief and parental relationships, basically. And <sighs> the mirroring stories of Rebecca and Ted and the different ways that their childhood traumas, like, were so formative. I was just sitting there and like sobbing as I am like right now. <laughs> just thinking, you know, some stuff like you can you can sympathize with it, but right until you go through it, you can't actually empathize with it. And so I was yeah. sitting there being like, "Oh, no." <laughs> <laughs> this is my this is my this is very targeted. Yeah, both of us, I think, well, we've obviously talked about this just as humans, like both of us have very specific parent 
stuff that was kind of so you know yeah. like i would say like parallel enough to certainly provide like a good point of reference for both of us um yeah i mean i i do think what i think is really interesting is i could feel myself getting hit with some of that but also unfortunately my <laughs> my reaction to that is generally to get really mad <laughs> cuz i don't necessarily what I what I struggled with in this past episode is Rebecca's deal feels so different than Ted's. And I think Ted's is the much heavier thing and also I think the thing that hits closer to me on a lot of levels of that kind of parental resentment and all, like all of that kind of shit. And for watching that last night and just thinking... I feel like trying to put these two moments in parallel and in conversation with each other does a disservice to both of them because it's two very different situations, even though obviously they are both about the failure of a parent and the death of a parent. Right. It's it's a little bit about like um, how generational trauma sort of yeah. carries on through the bloodline or like, you know, your parents' traumas become your own traumas. One way or another, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think also you and I kind of sort of discussed this earlier, but the other thing that just took me right out of the episode is I was connecting with this good, deep emotional shit, even if I didn't agree with like the narrative beats and the editing beats that they were going through with Ted and Rebecca. But the Sam and Rebecca stuff, I don't appreciate how they're handling this. This is an owner sleeping with a player on a team that she owns. And you and I have just reported on too much stuff to see that and be like, how romantic. Yeah, it is. I talked about this with Kavitha a little bit of like, it has been hitting like really close. And it's so frustrating too, because Rebecca's initial correct reaction when she sees Sam in that bar is to go no this is bad because of the power imbalance like she immediately is like we can't do this because it is a, a unequal situation and it is bad right and then that immediately gets tossed out the window and really never thought about again right and within the the narrative I don't know if they're necessarily justifying it, but they're trying to make you like it or engage with it or feel good about it because, oh, they get along, they're really compatible, you know, they have great chemistry, they look good together. They are two of my favorite characters, and I'm just like, I can't handle it because fundamentally I look at it and my brain is just going like, you and I would be writing a terrible expose about what is happening at Richmond. <laughs> right. There's also complicating, like, Sam is, he's still a Nigerian citizen, right? He's hes uh, a foreign national playing for this team. I think that adds to the power and balance, no matter how comfortable he might feel in England. He, in within the show, they say he's 21. Yes. I think they could have bumped that up a little bit and it would have been slightly better. Like, I think there's a, maybe 25, 26, it's... It's not good, but it feels better. 21, you were a teenager two years ago. A teen. Yeah. And then I think of myself at 21, I was stupid. <laughs> 21 is the age when you're like, I'm grown, but yeah. you are still making 19, 18, 17-year-old ass decisions. Yeah. yeah. 
And even though, and the other thing is they're also portraying Sam as like, oh, he's so mature and wise. And I'm like, no, 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 bad, bad. Relationship okay because the younger person is just so mature for their age. Uh, when you say it out loud yeah. like that, you should be like, oh, I just want to go take a hot, hot shower. Yeah, it's like someone waiting outside the local high school waiting for the birthday parties. Like it, that's what that's where my brain. It's just I don't. What's also weird is, it like even if they had bumped up, because when you look at Sam, your brain, unless you know the fact that the show has told you he is twenty one, that's not necessarily how old you think he is. No. And I think that they're trying to use that a little bit of like, maybe we just forget how we we said he was 21 right though we know obviously there is a gap and i don't it's not like i'm like i like holland taylor and sarah paulson together i'm not like oh all age gaps are inherently terrible right the problem with age gap is because it usually comes with big power imbalance and that's the problematic part if you're 40 dating someone who's like 70 and you have your own job, your own career, your own life experience by the time you're 40, yep. your own support system, that's not a power imbalance. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it is that that plot line has been a real struggle. But also, fundamentally, I know that there are a lot of people out there who really want Rebecca and Ted to get together, but also has the same fundamental problems because she is still an owner and employing everyone right. at that team. She's, she's so. his boss. She's his boss. Yep. And... Yeah, I I just don't know what's going on in the writer's room that they're thinking like, oh, this is a storyline we'll let play out. I also really hate that Keely, of all people, was like, what a great, exciting piece of girl gossip that we can tease Rebecca over. I really feel like she's one of the characters who would have been like, that's not okay. <laughs> you realize you're, yeah. you sign all of his paychecks. Maybe you're not his direct report if we're going to use like the yeah. language of corporate structure, but... It's not okay. And I, I really want to hear from the writer's room on, like, did they even, did they even, obviously it came up because Rebecca says, like, I'm his boss. It's improper. Yeah. Yeah. And then they're like, but we'll just make them really charming and sexy. Yeah. 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 This is the one time where generally, like, sitcoms you know like maybe you could be like okay i'm gonna turn that part of my brain off but like that that part of my brain is just like mentally screaming every single time right because it's a show that (laughs) wants you to engage more deeply with like what's under the surface and to like go past the the really toxic mentality in sports and like the association of sports and masculinity that's all that season one was being like subverting toxic masculinity particularly in sporting culture right and then to see this playing out in season two where it's like, do you guys have your your spots where you're clearly unaware? Like, for all that you said this good shit in season one, I guess not everybody is comprehensively aware of everything all the time. I just don't know. I just don't know how you can have the mentality that you have in season one about subverting toxic culture and then come into this and be like, but look at them. They're so cute and sexy. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I'm like actively also just as a as a very small note on this episode. Can I just say Anthony Stewart head with a beard like legitimately caused a full like what is happening reaction from me? What like night. he's from the Berenstain versus Berenstein universe? Yeah, it's just like oh, it's it's like evil Giles. Oh, 
<laughs> now. Yeah. Like, it was just very hard for my brain to wrap around Anthony Sewerhead with that kind of, like, evil beard situation. Because also, it, I, I think we all kind of know where this plot line is now going to go with him. Yeah, the way they focused in on him whispering into Nathan's mean little ear on the way out. Yeah. Maybe they'll surprise us. This this show does love to zag when you think it's going to zig. Yep. Yep. So... When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, let's um, let's wrap in. <laughs> let's wrap up checking on the end of Yusel, which we're gonna finally have games again. I'm going to Gotham tomorrow. Ooh. Um, uh, congrats, because I believe Midge Purse is off of the injury list. Oh, look at that! Yeah, look at that. that could be very fun. Very fun. I feel like this team has has very desperately missed oh. Midge Purse very very badly. Yeah. Um. So that would that will be a you know, for a final month of regular season with them trying to slide back into that playoff situation. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. They, the Gotham are currently eighth on the table. Yeah. But they're um, not, they're only like a point no, out. No, because Washington of, is sixth at 23 and NJ and Y is at 22. Yes. So it's not a terrible position for them to be in. Right. And Washington is also minus five goal differential because. They had minus six goals dumped on them at one time. Yes. So if it comes down to a goal differential tiebreaker, anyway. Yeah. Just in terms of <laughs> um, where we think we're headed, like it, I, I think obviously at this point we can kind of take a look at the table and say – we have a general sense of the the big play is going to be probably for seeding more than Portland is kind of looking like Portland has all season. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, I think Portland is kind of this, this very, like, known entity at this point, and there is potential for something to, to truly happen. Now I think it's a matter of, you know, is O.L. Rain or North Carolina – maybe Chicago, even Orlando could potentially be in this conversation. Like who's going to maybe put together a run of results. So that way that two, three, four, five Mm -hmm. gets kind of locked. Right. And then it's really, do you have these three teams, Washington, Houston, Gotham looking for that final spot? Yeah. Cause that's how it's set up right now. But also you could get, you know, a team suddenly, 
hitting a very, very poorly timed skid. <laughs> you could, you know, someone could drop out of that top six spots, but mm-hmm. obviously this is the season where playoffs are, this is really the only time we're ever going to get six out of ten. Yeah. Or barring so, that six, seven, eight position, Washington, Houston, Gotham, one of those teams hitting a big skid and Louisville somehow putting together a magnificent end to the season. That's going to be my out there, like dark horse scenario. <laughs> um, but, you know, they're at 17 points, ninth on the table, minus 12 goal differential. It's rough. They buddy. could have like a, a New York Liberty style <laughs> run. Oh. <laughs> uh. Oh, what a heartbreaking elimination. I know that was that was very rough to watch. Um for those of you who are not watching the the single elimination games of WNBA. Chicago Sky looked good. Um basketball wives and Candace Parker especially. But yeah, New York Liberty. That was a very very stressful game to watch as someone rooting for the New York yeah. Liberty to the point where tying it up with 2.7 seconds to go and then immediately giving up a foul and losing that way was not my favorite. Yeah, um sports were a mistake. <laughs> and so were feelings. And yeah. That's that's why I can only cry when I watch TV shows. <laughs> Um, yeah. All right. Well, that I feel like that is a a good check-in for us. I feel like next week is going to be a very instructive week in terms of what we're looking at for tail end of the season. Um, with the league back in action, I think we're going to Oh, I, I one other thing that I would like to talk to you about before we go is expansion draft. Since we got a, a pretty <laughs> pretty major rule update in that front. And we discovered at some point the rule became instead of Kansas City has an exemption from the expansion draft, it became Kansas City has an exemption, but also they can trade that. <laughs> <laughs> and the general vibe is that the expansion teams really don't enjoy that. <laughs> now it's like Survivor, where you win an immunity challenge, and I think you can give your immunity to other people, right? Is that I've never well, watched well, Survivor. I mean, so this is neither of I. But here's what I find really interesting, because I read the word exemption, and that feels different to me than a system that had already come into play of roster protection. Because teams were already engaged in trades, right? Yep. Chicago with Louisville, um, Angel City with Louisville, right? In terms of saying, I'm going to trade you this thing, but then you grant me immunity, essentially, from the expansion draft from this specific team. And now we have two, right? So, I mean, when I'm hearing this, my initial question is like, well, why is an an exemption actually different than... Um, roster protection because to me it feels like it should be because we're calling it something different. They called it an exemption and not saying roster protection. But second of all, can they split that up? Are they Can they split it into two assets of here's my exemption from Angel City, here's my exemption from San Diego and trade them to two different teams and two different transactions? Who knows? Um, can you then... For for Louisville, right, who has ex- has roster protection from Angel City, can they then trade that roster protection to someone else in another? Mo- like, how movable are these assets 
and in what mechanisms and it just feels like again it, it obviously the rule happened after the original concept of the expansion draft happened but then they took one step but then didn't actually think about the rest of how this might play out yeah the- Everybody who made a trade with Louisville, or Louisville themselves now, who have made trades based on the theory that they can't use that exemption as a tradable asset, I'm sure they would have loved it. Like, what what happened? Did Kansas City just think to ask? And the league was like, sure. <laughs> just kind of when you're like, go ask your mom. And your mom's like, go ask your dad. <laughs> and it's just like, well, I guess I can do it. Yeah, that is that is honestly the vibe right? <laughs> that this that um, this has. Yeah, and yeah, it it's it also feels like when I play board games with my wife and <laughs> I'm winning, and then she's like, "Can we use the rules this way instead of the way we've been using them?" And I'm like, "No, <laughs> no, are you kidding me? <laughs> this is a <laughs> this is a board game." That means it's life or death. <laughs> Give me your friggin' sheep. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It's really interesting. I, I think that there has been some real drama behind the scenes around this, just also because it just the even the mechanism of how it got rolled out was very interesting to me. So, I mean, I, I know that we're probably going to be talking a lot about the expansion draft over the next couple, like, we do have some time. It is September. There's not necessarily some sort of immediate, like, oh, we've got to figure out, like, who's going to get protected and all that kind of stuff. But it does feel like if those rules are changed well after the original agreed-to rules, which also, P.S., just side note, I would have to assume there is some disagreement from the players association because this is a a rule that affects player movement and the cba is currently happening the cba negotiations are currently happening and this expansion draft process was just announced Mm -hmm. like there's got to be tension there too like this is a expansion drafts are painful for everyone everyone and i think everyone is going to be unhappy with how they go down because the teams who are in the expansion draft are always going to feel like they're not getting enough. The teams who are being picked from are going to hate every part of it. And the players have to sit there and wait to see what list they're on. And then if they get picked and then if their their life gets changed, right? Like they're, they're bad for everyone. <laughs> no one is going to walk away entirely happy. But it is just a very interesting thing to try to decipher what is happening and where and what might impact strategies because everyone is also going to be trying to find any potential edge that they can and probably thinking we're going to get another one of these in another year too the moment any of the teams like within the season preceding the draft made some kind of trade predicated on the rules that should have been it the rules are locked but you know, I, I would I really sympathize with any of the teams that feel like, hey, wait a minute, we did things like under one rubric, and now you're telling me that instead of I don't know having a bunch of problem sets, the final counts for 100 percent of my grade. <laughs> what the heck, man? Yeah, 
Yeah. So I think I think that will be something for us to keep an eye on and, and hopefully talk to some folks about when I actually get time in my schedule again. But I, I am... Expansion draft is always very interesting, and obviously the Louisville expansion draft was a very interesting one to track, but that was only one team, and this is the first time we're ever going to get two teams. So this is really going to be a very, very interesting thing for us to watch in the end of this. This is probably for another full episode, but just until then, maybe we can all contemplate, like, this is going to keep happening while the league is in expansion mode until it finally settles maybe around 12, 14, 16 teams and then hits a period of like where they try to just be stable. And Mm -hmm. so like we need to consider like, are there less disruptive mechanisms or is that something that the players can figure out in their CBA where like, even if you have an expansion draft, things are done in like the most humane way to the, to the laborer possible. Um, I just think, you know, until we maybe dissect it more, we should all just be contemplating, like, how can we balance the genuine need of this league to expand against player rights, you know, players having rights to where they want to go and not being yanked around? Yeah. It's a big question. It's a big one. Um, Good luck to the PA and Megan Burke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely. All right, I think that's a good good spot to end us on. Thank you, Steph, for your time. And uh, don't tell anyone yeah, I, I cried. We'll... Okay, they they all heard it, but we'll, we'll pretend like it didn't happen. Okay. All right, sounds good. All right, thank you as always to Steph. Remember, there were no tears in the recording of this episode of Full Time with Meg Linehan. All right, for all things full-time, you can visit fulltimepod.com. There are links for all of the major podcast platforms in one spot, plus more info about the show. Again, you can subscribe to The Athletic and support all of our women's soccer coverage right now at theathletic.com slash full-time. My name is Meg. You have been listening to Full-Time with Meg Linehan. You can always find me on Twitter and Instagram at It's Meg Linehan and my work at The Athletic. Full-Time does not exist without the work and support of senior podcast producer Michael Zimmerman. From The Athletic, I'm Meg, and thank you for listening. I'll be back with you next week.